the conqueror. No, I'm Alexander. He's no Alexander. I'm the best ever. There's never been anybody exclusive. I'm Sonny Liston. I'm Jack Dempsey. There's no one like me. I'm from their club. There's no one that can match me. My style is impetuous. My defense is impregnable. And I'm just ferocious. I want your heart. I want to eat your children. It was just banter. Stay off the weed. And England win on penalties. History in itself. You know, I think it's a great city. I think they got the best organization in the NBA. But they do have some big old wins. I'm here with the winner, Derek Lewis. Derek, why don't you take your pants off? Balls are fun. I understand. Come on, take it quickly, Reggie! Yeah, it's a good match. No one is in the fucking reserves. Listen, I ain't gonna forget about this by the time we get the Hello and welcome to another edition of the Spitballing Pod. I'm Luke Byron, joined as always by Tom Kennett and Alex Jones, and we have Ashley Goff joining us as well today. If anyone ever questioned our dedication to this podcast, uh, I'm currently stricken by COVID, if you notice that in my voice. Alex has just gone for a test, TK's nursing a two-day hangover, and Goff's a United fan. So uh, it's a rough one for all of us today, but we're going to do our best to plod on through it, and uh, I've been cooking that up all day. Um <laughs> We've got some news of the week to get into, and then we'll just talk a bit on uh, United's game yesterday and uh, Spurs, who actually did their best to sneak under the radar after uh, United did that. Um, so we'll see how things go. Maybe it's repayment, actually, because if you recall when, I think the first time we had Goff on in quite a while was when Spurs had just slumped United and then Liverpool did their part to take that off the table. And uh, everyone forgot about Spurs' win because Liverpool was just been battered by Villa. <laughs> so it's like Liverpool have returned the favour here and uh, got Spurs out of the limelight. There, there is this ongoing running theme that you only ever invite me on after a, a, a United battle. <laughs> like those, isn't there? I did say off, they're, they're, they're quite frequent at the moment. <laughs> I, I did Keep say he, when he said you're on, I was like, this poor man. I, like, <laughs> I almost wouldn't have had the nerve to ask you. Well, I, I was I just do. waiting for the text. Was, <laughs> was it, As the fourth it, goal goes in, like, what are you doing tomorrow, Goff? On his body hadn't even gone cold, I said to Byron. <laughs> messaging me. Well, Jack said he's working away and essentially in uh, the nicest way possible said, look, if I've not got better plans, then I'll do the podcast. Um, but yeah, if I've got nothing to do, then I'll, then I'll jump on from the hotel room. So he's gone out for a nice meal, I think, this evening. Um, nice. I asked Connor during the game and said, "Look, you've not been on for a while. Um, <laughs> I think you're football tomorrow." Um, he told me to fuck off. So um, <laughs> there's that. And uh, Goff, Julia uh, obliged. So uh, Goff sort of doing the Maguire shift. They go, "Right, you've got to go out and do the interview. <laughs> yeah. You've got to go speak to the press." They've wheeled me I mean, out. We'll get into that. But the one interview with Maguire said, "I don't really know why I'm here." Probably <laughs> summed up United's uh, game yesterday. Um. News of the week we will go through. There isn't too much of it. I know I say that every week. But um, China drafts law to punish parents for children's bad behaviour. I think that's fantastic because there's so many bastard kids and their parents <laughs> get away scot-free. 
I don't know. There's some exe- there's some exceptions to the rule. In a lot of cases, you've brought this kid up. It's your duty to make sure he's not a little rat. And so, if you're being punished, I mean, maybe it's just going to produce more uh, unwieldy parents behind the scenes. But hey, as long as we don't have to deal with them, I guess. Yeah, that seems fair. I don't know how many of you have watched End of Watch recently, and maybe I started feeling about Thursday because I listened to the podcast back I did with Keelan for End of, uh, End of Watch. Um, and there's a part in the film where uh, they're looking for these kids that have been kidnapped, and they find them, and they're um, duct-taped in the cupboard. And I said okay. to Keenan, like, if you were babysitting Liverpool in the Champions League final, would you? and the way he reacted to the question told me it probably wasn't a good way to go but I didn't have it in me to edit it out so hopefully no one was too offended when they heard that last week when I'm trying to convince him saying come on like it's the Champions League final if if you want if you want a lifeline if you'd asked me we'd have had a very different (laughs) response I wouldn't have hesitated I I know what happens when I've asked you questions on here so we uh, we steer away from it (laughs) Um, Indian couple float to their wedding in a cooking pot along flooded streets. What? Blimey. <laughs> How small are the couple? <laughs> um, <laughs> Imagine like a scene not, from the borrowers. <laughs> not, <that>. <laughs> not that the pot's big, that the couple's tiny. <laughs> um, man confesses he was indeed immature after throwing wife's body out of a plane into the ocean. <laughs> what? Uh, was he mature uh, for doing that or was he mature before? I don't understand. Oh. Um, she knew I was mature. Beats a 15 year old blind quarterback with dreams of reaching the NFL. Christ. That's a nice story until you see that playing out. Until the fans are calling him a bastard. Oh, I mean, the first big hit he gets. I mean, we saw it happen to uh, Justin Fields after he said the NFL was slow to him compared to uh, college. This 15-year-old kid, I mean, if he quite literally can't see it coming, doesn't end well. Um, Buzzards that vomit when threatened and leave piles of acidic droppings have invaded a small town and nobody knows why. It's going to have a horror film. It is, yeah. A man was covered in poop after a passing plane dumped toilet waste over his garden. <laughs> now that's immature. That's just... If ever you think you've got bad luck, that is, like, on another level. Yeah, don't go in your garden slightly. <laughs> um, Ryan Gosling to play Ken in Barbie movie starring Margot Robbie. Hmm. I wonder how he much was... convincing he took for that. <laughs> Well, he was hesitant and they said, you know, Margot Robbie's playing Barbie. Well, you know, go on then. If, um, don't you think it's a bit obvious, me being Ken's like, look, we've got Margot Robbie obviously. Okay, I'll, okay, I'll work it out. Delta Airlines to sell Kentucky priests pasta sauce. What's that headline? Yeah, just is. Yeah. And uh, I mean, and that's if, you wanna, if you want a more standard headline, uh, man dies after friend pumps air up his rectum. Cops debate whether it's a prank or murder. <laughs> If he says, hi, I'm Johnny Knoxville, just beforehand, he actually, he can get through any law. Yeah, probably fair. Um, I was going to ask about this, actually. I don't know um, if any of you watched the uh, Buccaneers game yesterday. So 
Tom Brady throws his 600th pass in uh, the NFL. Uh, I think he's the first. Did he say the first person to do it? Whatever. So it's a record for him. The uh, receiver doesn't know this and hands the ball into the crowd. I did. They didn't realize. Yeah. yeah, a member of the Buck staff goes round to him and says, "Look, we need that ball back." Um, they try to barter with him. He's getting a lot of stick in American press, which <laughs> it might, might be very American here, as to the fact that he didn't barter for enough. Um, <laughs> so what he's taken in response is um, some kind of signed jersey, tickets in the same seat to a future game, and $1,000 to spend in the Bucks shop. Now, whether you think this is a bit much or not, an independent auctioneer uh, was on American TV this morning, and he valued that for collectors at around half a million. Oh my word! <laughs> so, oh dear lord! So he's getting a lot of stick on these uh, kind of breakfast shows, saying that what the hell were you thinking? They said as soon as he got that <laughs> ball, because because he said he knew what the significance of the pass was. So okay. they said, look, you should have got the hell up out of that stadium. It's a lot easier for you to barter at home than it is for you in your seat. Mm. They said, what you're saying around to watch the Bears. Now, that's even worse. Like, <laughs> get the hell out of there. They said you should have asked Brady for a weekend stay in one of his homes in Costa Rica, all expenses paid. They said at the very least, you should have asked to meet Brady before you get Brady to sign the shirt and have a picture with you. All of this, and yet, I mean... I saw one say that he actually was just given an Antonio Brown signed jersey. I'm not sure how accurate that is. But in that situation, do you think you can really barter? Because everyone in the stadium is looking at you yeah. <laughs> once they know. And you're saying, no, I, I want to keep this. You're not having it back. Is it that simple as to say, look, I'm getting my lawyers involved. We're going we're gonna to work this out. I'm not sure you're thinking about that. Or are you in the heat at the moment? No, I, I think I hand it straight back because you don't want to seem an asshole. And Especially, the team, it'd be a very British thing to be a bit embarrassed about this and go, no, no, you carry on. I don't know, the Americans might be a bit different. I, when you first had the stuff you got, I was thinking he's done incredibly well. I know you've mentioned 500 grand. But then, uh, I'm well, having to reevaluate. The fact it's not even signed by Brady is the bit that's rash for me. Like At least you... It sounds like that's what they've offered him, and he's gone, yeah, that's fine, I would have given you back, like, regardless. He's a chilled-out guy. Like, I don't know. If that, if that was me at an Arsenal game, I would just be happy for whatever they give me, but in hindsight, you would kick yourself. I think you're probably Brady should give him 500 out, grand. You're probably that's ruling out do. ever being able to go back to the stadium peacefully if you make a big thing of it and it becomes a story and you're demanding this and that and bigger picture, I mean, you probably just feel like... That Tom Brady knows who I am. He appreciates it. Yeah, you, you tell yourself that. I mean, for someone that has supported multiple teams, Alex, someone might not have the same kind of feeling. Do you think you, um, to say you were at a Spurs game, would you think, I can always go back to United? Not too pleasant this weekend, I know. Not sure what you're on about there, but um, <laughs> the answer's no. If that's Harry Kane's record-breaking Premier League ball, it gets given to you by uh, Emerson Royale all over the shop. Again, he doesn't really know what's going on. He gives you the ball. Then someone comes over, one of the Spurs coaching staff, and says, look, Alex, can I have the ball back? Are you bartering? Or you just say, yeah, take it. Uh, may barter. How much for the? 
say they say to you, okay, tell me what you want, and I'll see if we can get it done. Realistically. But you've got to negotiate with Daniel Levy as well, so bear in mind, <laughs> he may be tired of this. I'll probably end up giving him money. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, season ticket. Oh, yeah. That's no, yeah. like that's not yeah, talking about season, season ticket. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, that is true. Right. That should just about do us. So, um, just finally, Alex always asks you uh, this: the films this week on Movie Madness. If I make it there, um, Sherlock Holmes up against Knives Out. Oh, tough one. Um, I've I've seen Knives Out fairly recently and I was pleasantly surprised by it and it has got Anna de Armas in it and she is a sweetheart um I feel like means you pick that film uh no I'm gonna go with Sherlock okay um so Goff have you seen both of them to give an opinion I've actually not seen either of them to be honest so Uh, yeah my opinion is useless I've heard very good things about Knives Out to be fair so I do want to watch that that's good one of them, um, if you've seen That's My Boy, there's a point where you hear, or Billy Madison, you hear Sandler's accent at the start and you think, oh, I don't know if I can make it to the end of this with Daniel Craig, but no, you, you, you do just about get there. Um, if we go on to United then, God, sorry to disappoint you, uh, Fabrizio Romano has just tweeted out, um, not the news you're hoping for, or the news <laughs> any of us really are hoping for, um, he's essentially just said the first step has to be the final decision on Solskjaer by the board. Uh, there are currently internal talks ongoing over how to handle this crisis. Conte would be prepared to talk with United about the project, but there's still been no official contact as of today. Um, so United, obviously, uh, you have a sneaky win in the week against Atalanta. One of them where... Well, we can talk about this first, actually. So I saw United fans getting some stick for the way they celebrated this game in the way that you've been 2-0 down. Obviously, it was a poor performance in the first half. The amount of players that uh, Atalanta had out and almost as if, as fans, you, you shouldn't be able to celebrate that. First of all, were, were you celebrating Were you celebrating it or were you thinking, oh God, that first half performance, I don't know how I'm going to deal with this now. Well, of course, of course you're going to celebrate it. At the end of the day, yeah. it's a game of football, isn't it? It's... It's more relief than anything that after that first half, you managed to pull out the bag and obviously get the winner so late on. So you're going to celebrate regardless of of how badly yeah. you've played. Because I guess Skulls' job as a pundit is to think about the bigger picture. But the reason I have this, because we see it a lot recently and I've seen it when uh, other teams have done it. So I'm not just saying it because of Arsenal on Monday, but we get a draw against Crystal Palace. The game turned very quickly after Monday's podcast, TK, when I was shouting up the arse on air. Um, There's quite a way to sign off that. <laughs> and you get the same tweets, I don't know, from Jack, actually. Such and such, have some shame, celebrating this like the winner of the World Cup. We've got to be able to separate the moment from the bigger picture. <laughs> I was celebrating it because I thought we were going to lose and then we get a draw. And I imagine you're the same. You thought you were going to draw and drop points for another game in a row. You then get it. You can enjoy the moment in isolation and then say, yeah, if we play like that at a weekend, probably not going to be too great. Yeah, I think you're spot on by saying you, it is possible to separate the two. Like you, you can enjoy, like you said, the moment and then take stock and be like, right, we're going to get absolutely 
destroyed if we play like that again, which is essentially what Scholes was saying. It's just that a lot of yeah. people didn't necessarily want to hear it. It's been a rough week for him. We're not talking about the rest. Of the, issue, the issue with Scholes is that obviously everyone was at a party and he was kind of sat in a corner being miserable. Yeah, like Scholes, you're not. Don't think about the hangover. Just enjoy yourself. And it's like, I, I smoothly done, by the way, Luke. Compare making a, a draw with Palace, uh, same uh, as uh, winning against Atlanta in the Champions yeah, League. That's yeah. smoothly <laughs> done. I, I clocked it. Thing a lot of everything now is celebrating it like you've won the World Cup when the wider really point is, is a good, is a fair one. Yeah, I, I don't know this weird trend that unless yeah. you win, I don't know against like an all-time great team, you can't celebrate. It's a bit weird. Yeah, yeah it's not like uh, the team held hands and. Uh, Ran over to have them lifted up against West Brom. Goff. Um, Why? In fairness, <laughs> I didn't see you going out to bat for us when we did that. You said that was embarrassing. Now you're doing it. It's a different story. <laughs> Look, we're in different places. Um, <laughs> we were in a fucking bad place. Yes. Um, I think the thing with Skulls was um, he'd gone so hard in the paint at half time that it was kind of. Can like, go back. Yeah. Um, I think <laughs> we've all probably done this on various situations where. You, you, you really have dug your foot in so deep that he's committed yeah uh, Alex I mean, only grew on Sun last year he's <laughs> <laughs> still hating him the closest I had to um, the Skulls feeling was um, I saw this reference in the week was when Emery was on the brink and if you remember we, we were losing to Southampton we were getting absolutely battered at the Emirates and in the last minute and I've been tweeting all game, this is a disgrace. How can this man still be here? We can't even get a draw against Southampton. And then Lacazette scored in the last minute, and I thought, I can't even stand up here. I want him gone that badly. <laughs> I've criticised so bad that I can't even celebrate this now. But there we go. United then, some kind of boost in, in the same way that not losing is going to give you. You rock up to face one of the best attacking sides in the league and seemingly Ollie says that worked so well in the first half <laughs> we're going to do the exact same against a much better team here I, you can tell me different Gotham. I don't know if there was a sense here and it's the only way I can really justify it in that Ollie thought this can't possibly happen like, I don't know if he's thinking about the, the grand scheme of United Liverpool I don't know if he's thinking about like the just the quality of the players on the pitch. Do you think he really went into that game believing that he could walk away with a scoreline like that? I honestly, I don't know. I honestly think he thought that he could play that way and get a result. Because why else would you? Why else would you go in all guns blazing like that? Like when we played Liverpool before, he's always gone counter attacking because you know they're going to come at come at you at the front foot and to him to just go all guns blazing and obviously it for it to all blow up in his face and i don't know it's it, it was just a shambles from start to finish wasn't it there was no no like defined plan or it looked like there was no defined plan straight from kickoff it, it, i think the players were told simply to press but they weren't quite sure what that meant no. and it just involved Alex... it involved like a cloud of players just all running towards the ball like you do in primary school <laughs> Yeah, Alex probably saw this in a, a recent game I can point to is uh, when Spurs played Chelsea and after how kind of Spurs had set up for the season, after how Chelsea were looking compared to Spurs, the thought process was that Spurs were going to back off and try and counter them 
and hope to nick something from the game. And they came out in the first 10 minutes and almost shocked Chelsea by the fact that they got directly at them, which only works if you do then make the most of the kind of shock factor in there. But I guess United didn't really do either of the two. Liverpool weren't particularly shocked. It was almost like, I guess if you're a technical boxer and picks your punches and a guy just comes windmilling at you, that's your bread and butter because you can step to the side and catch him coming in. Yeah, that's essentially what Liverpool did, didn't they? With the first couple of goals, at least they just pulled us to pulled us apart to the side and left to right, opened up those gaps, and yeah, just passed it through us. Well, Tika, you had that Bruno chance in the first couple of minutes that he spooned wide and mm. went for power more than placement, and the game was back and forth at that point. I don't know if, I mean, you wouldn't have predicted what was going to happen, but I don't know how you were feeling at that point because United were actually showing a bit of something. Yeah, I thought we could end up having a, a bit of an end-to-end one in terms of I don't I think as good as Liverpool have started to look, they haven't really got themselves together defensively yet. I didn't think it was still in that great at the start of the game against United either. So I thought we could have a back and forth here. But the obviously quickly we get the two goals where it's so frighteningly open. If well, we're never gonna be that bad. Like even if we're bad defensively, they're gonna be a lot worse. <laughs> Because looking at the, the teams on paper, I mean, the the rumoured players that could be out for United in the week were Bruno, of course, regardless of the uh, what's been said about him in the past 24 hours. United would much rather have him in that team sheet than not. And the players that are rumoured that could be in or out for Liverpool, I mean, you were without Mane, you were without, you were without Fabinho. Fabinho, certainly in that midfield, probably the most crucial man in there. Mm, yeah, agreed. So it couldn't, at least the team United put out. Goff, is it a shock to you that Pogba's not in the team? Because obviously he goes on to show probably why he shouldn't be in there. But we're told he's one of the best midfielders in the world. And he can't get in a team ahead of McTominay and Fred, who I don't think I've ever heard a positive word about from anyone but Jose Mourinho. Yeah, well, I, I saw an interesting stat about Fred and McTominay. And it was Fred made zero tackles in 19 minutes. <laughs> and, oh, McTominay made, and McTominay made one. Considering they're both playing holding midfield, that's absolutely horrendous. But um, but no, it doesn't, it doesn't actually surprise me Pogba's not playing. It's because it's more, it becomes more and more difficult to put Pogba in a system with the other players around him at United. Because you either, if you're going to play those two behind Bruno... You either play him as one of them, where he's just not as effective. You know he's not the greatest at tracking back or defending. You either put him further forward, in which case you have to move Bruno, or you put him on the left, in which case you're moving one of Rashford, Sancho, Greenwood, etc. So it's more of a case of, it's more of a problem to slot him in more than anything. Does it have to be McTominay and Fred? Can it not be McTominay or Fred? because that's the way things seem to be going. And the quote from Jose, where he says, getting Scott McTominay to be a starting midfielder for Man United is one of his greatest achievements, which goes in with him saying, can a second place with United is? And I don't know how you take that if you're Scott McTominay. But Not well, it seems, <laughs> to be honest. It seems that, like, neither is good enough, so you need to have the two of them together to get the functionality of just one of them. I, I don't... No, I, I think I think that's I think that's spot on. I think neither is good enough to only play the one player as the pivot. Um, 
Matic would have been back in the day, but now his legs have gone. So that's, I think, yeah, I think it's necessary to play them together because you leave one of them on their own and, well, apparently with two of them together, it's atrocious, but you leave one of them on their own and they're completely ineffective. The thing it's is, like there has... A Fabinho, sorry, for example, can just... Or a Rodri, for example, or obviously a Kante. They don't need that support. Yeah, I mean, this is always going to rear its head anyway. The, the issue of it is, I think, I can see the logic behind what he does in terms of the results. When he has had a big result, it has often been by playing them there, keeping it tight, counter-attacking, in which case they work best for that. But the whole point of this is supposed to be that obviously it makes them more solid. And we rattled in four goals. So. Yeah. <laughs> so, if they're if they're not doing their job, then what what is the point? They're not bringing the... anything, are they? You're yeah. getting all the all the downside of having them there, there without the supposed perk that is we're a bit more solid. I mean, but in that in that sense, he's damned either way because if he had put Pogba in there, I mean, I mean, he's again he's gonna have no tactical discipline or whatever, and we would have been in just as much. Yeah. Now you, you might have offered a little bit more attacking threat. And I think if he could have seen that Liverpool midfield prior to the game, I would imagine he might have been half tempted to put Pogba in there. Because, for example, someone like Cater isn't going to get through the work that our midfield would normally do. So you might be able to afford to carry a Pogba in there a little bit more. And yeah. I think if, if you look at how a couple of times early on, United were able to bypass Liverpool's midfield pretty easily, actually. Pogba getting on the ball might have been good in that instance. But, but for the most part, his ability to... I've spoken about it before, but sort of wipe people's memory from him when he doesn't play. And just so he would be the fix all to all these problems is truly astounding because the evidence is overwhelming that it's not going to happen like that. Well, at halftime, Oli admitted after that, look, at that point, it was about damage limitation. As soon as that fourth goal went in, you were like, right. I mean, that was a lot more. That was like something out of the office, by the way, when Shreese has gone to him. So uh, when when did you know that it was damage limitations? <laughs> the f- immediately he's got the fourth. <laughs> so, give the guy a break. Yeah, that, I still can't go over that fourth goal because like it was completely oh. we completely switched off expecting it to be half time, forgetting there was still what a minute to play or or whatever. And to see Mo Salah stood in the eighteen yard box with no one around him, like within the next five to ten yards it just he can't even believe it's come to yeah he just kind of swings his leg at it and finds it in the bottom corner (laughs) he can't believe what happened to himself whilst he's sitting there like he he, no one's marking (laughs) him we quite rightly given Salah all kinds of praise the last three four five weeks because he's been exceptional I've seen him get a lot for yesterday and I don't even think he was particularly obviously he was good he wasn't outstanding like he didn't have to do anything Liverpool is a holding, didn't they? The fact that he's talking about laughing and saying, I mean, I could have just gone myself, but instead I gave it to Naby for a goal. <laughs> you shouldn't be able to talk like that when you're playing Man United, should you? Like that, that's, that's rough. The sheer disrespect. It's a disrespectful goal. I mean, it's, it's <laughs> what, the first five minutes and Kate has just got the freedom just to run in there. I mean, he must have not been able to believe his luck. Yeah, for, for a midfielder that is often spoken about spoken about him on here. I think he was called one of the only misses of Jurgen Klopp's reign at Liverpool in terms of big spending in, in Naby mm. Keita. Um, and we had a three-on-one. It's a three-on-one. Yeah. I mean, that, sh- that shouldn't happen at any time. But if it's the last minute and you're not chasing it, you can understand. But this is the first first four minutes. 
I'm not for any any moment criticising uh, De Gea for for that goal because it's so close. There's not a lot he can do, but it's not even a great finish, is it? From close range, he he's literally in his head clearly thought, I just need to get this on target because it's almost right at De Gea. Just he can't get down quick enough as you'd expect. I think it's one of those. It's a fairly composed finish, isn't it? Where I think he probably knows he, he can slide. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like you said, if you were to look at it in slow-mo, you'd look and think, is it, he's not putting it right in the corners or whatever. But De Gea might be the only one who can't have any credit for me in that game. He was okay. It was about at, as good as it got. At half-time, Goff, <laughs> tell me what you were thinking, because <laughs> I, you in must all have honesty, been I was, dreams of 8-2. I was on Paddy Power looking to see what the odds are on 7-0, to be honest. But, um... <laughs> A guy who I work with backed 7-0 pre-game. <laughs> Blimey. Yeah. I don't know why, but he was like, look, they're going to get absolutely roasted here. Is that the Everton fan? Yeah. Even better. He just had yeah. a feeling, did he? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's quite easy in hindsight, isn't it, to say, look, United are always going to get battered in this game. And me and Alex have said it when it comes to a North London derby. We've said it when it comes to Liverpool United plenty of times. That you usually just disregard any form of logic before you get into these games because it's not going to make one shell of difference when it gets into it. This was very much the opposite. This was very much if you put the two teams' results and performances into a computer and ask it to spit out a result, this was what you would have got. So we'll have a little shuffle around. AJ with the crisp packet again. I I thought someone was going to come. I'm not moving. I'm not moving, man. Did did a good impression of someone who is. I can see your name lighting up. This is like that uh, deadline day pod where someone was doing some construction while we were doing it. <laughs> we couldn't work out who that was. Um, yeah, but the usual thing with the you, of recent times with United Liverpool is even with the form going in, Liverpool just normally haven't shown up as well in these games. And even if they've got a result, they haven't been at their best. So this game, we were quite good with clinical finishing wise, but I don't think Liverpool had to do an awful lot. It was just United were that bad. Klopp said he told them at half time that they need to buck their ideas up and start playing better, and they're 4 0 up. Yeah. <laughs> well, they were kind of sloppy in possession, but it was just the, the United performance. I mean, I said about the Spurs performance in the North London derby that the first half was probably the worst I've seen a Premier League team play. United did their best to challenge that. Um, it'd be a good contest between those two teams. I saw a strange thing on Twitter yesterday that um, Michael Cox, who does the Zonal Marketing page, yeah. um, claimed that this was the uh, worst performance in Premier League history. And <laughs> there were Norwich fans tweeting him going, you sure ours at the weekend wasn't worse? Like, actually, like, <laughs> arguing it like... Look, Listen, you you can have something. If they're going to do what like, Oh, we can't even win this. And he was like, look, <laughs> how many of those Norwich players would get into the Chelsea team on paper how many of this United team on paper should they have to get into the Liverpool side and they're playing like they wouldn't get into a Norwich side now the Pogba challenge and performance goff mm-hmm. <clears throat> I said at half time uh, I'm not sure he's the guy I want to bring on to save me <laughs> because no. I think he, I think he'd do something stupid 
That's the thing. To prove a point. Cool, that that very much. <laughs> on paper, he should be the guy who you come who comes on and makes a difference. That's that's what's frustrating. But yeah, he everyone kind of knows he isn't, and he's got he's got that red card in him, which is obviously what he showed. As soon as he was on the pitch, you could I don't know. It was almost kind of like a a big fuck you, I think. Just like why are you bringing me on at four 0 down? Just he just didn't look interested at all. I think it's bully stuff as well. I don't think he does that tackle against Van Dyke. I don't think he does that against Fabinho. He's done that to little Navi Cater, who can, <laughs> he can push his weight back. <laughs> and we saw this with the United team the whole game because uh, what's it? Ronaldo thought he could do it to little Curtis Jones and then shot yeah. it when Van Dyke pushed him. That back. was a great moment. <laughs> what you're missing Bruno, in that is, have you seen Bruno's strength at, at pushing Virgil there? <laughs> <Yeah>. Fred, Fred <laughs> thinking he he could push his weight about and Canate laughing in his face. That picture of him laughing is just, it's like, Fred, you've got to help your team out here. You're embarrassing yourself. Like a little I don't Jack know if you see, there's like, a, there's like a YouTuber who does the United um, page called uh, Harry Panero and he was at the game yesterday and he put a thing up this morning on his story, like, still heartbroken from yesterday's game. Uh, we move on, it's a new week. And Canate DM'd him like, don't be down. These things happen, my brother. Chin up. <laughs> Why me? Even worse. Uh, the, the thing about the Pogba performance as well is he gives away that fifth goal. Yeah. Getting caught on the ball in the middle of the park, which is the yes, another argument against why he can't play in there, why he's not trusted in there, is that he'll give for all the qualities he'll bring you, there is a downside to him that that can happen. Yeah, yeah. That the the most depressing part of that game was the last half an hour where it Oof. was just one yeah. side toying with the other, and Carragher clearly was baying for blood because he kept saying on commentary, "You're never going to get this opportunity again." He really was baying for blood. Get some more <laughs> goals, and they just it's... weren't having it. And it's what you said before, TK, about uh, when you when City are like the midday kickoff and they're against like a Watford or something, and they score two, and they're like. Yeah, we don't actually need to do anything more now. We'll just kick it yeah, out for the next 70 minutes. It's just mind-numbingly frustrating. But um, naturally, does happen. Also, I, I do think the red card kind of paid to anything United were even going to try and do. And at that stage, they just sat in, accepted its damage limitation. And I think we knew we didn't have to break them down. Whereas before that, they were, I mean, we touched on very clearly stuck between identities. I think once you get down to 10 men, you know your identity is just sitting. Yeah. Um, so in that respect, well, Pogba did you a favour, crystallised what you wanted to do. There you go. He was doing it for the lads. <laughs> so post game, usually this uh, four o'clock kickoff, I'll, I'll switch uh, straight over. Four, what's it, 4 30? 4 o'clock? Halfway, I usually yeah. switch. Yeah, I'll usually switch straight over and watch the NFL. Even if if the game's dead, then I'll switch over beforehand to, for the six o'clock start. This one, and I imagine there are a lot of people on Sky Sports doing the same. We were sticking around for this punditry, <laughs> yeah. and it's always yeah, when you so want we Keen, it's always when you want Keen in there, but he's not there. <laughs> and I saw a tweet saying they should have got um, a police escort to get him into Old Trafford yesterday <laughs> to get him there after the game. Um, it took a little while. I mean, there was a bit of a longer break between full-time and getting into the studio, so I don't know what was going on there. 
Neville, they drag him back in, and he was in there with a pack of wolves. <laughs> when, when, when he's making a thing about the coaching they should do, and soon as he's slapping Carragher on the knee, then I told you we were going to have a good day today. Defoe, Defoe's struggling to get a word in. They're just, they're just not letting him get in there. Look, this doesn't involve you here. This is Liverpool even even Defoe is laughing. It's just like... Yeah. Defoe's loving it. Even the presenter jumping in on it. It's just up against I mean, it. It took a little while, didn't it? And it was this really irritating thing that Neville kept doing. I'm going to ask you what you'd expect from him, Goff, because he kept saying, I'm not going to sit here and call for his head if that's what you want me to do. And it was like there'd been some complaints about this at Sky before because Suna said, I'm never going to call for the manager's head. Carragher said, I'm never going to call for the manager's head. They all kept repeating this phrase, which, let's be honest, they've done it before. They said these managers can't carry on and can't keep doing the job. Jose, they did it like it was going out of fashion. I thought it was really interesting that Carragher said, there's no issue with us getting in here and saying Fred and McTominay aren't good enough for United, so why do we have to come in here and say that Ollie is? As a United fan, what do you expect from Neville in that situation because I don't think you're expecting him to say Ollie needs to go but yeah, I'm interested to see because he's getting a lot of stick he's getting cooked by United fans I can, I can see I can see both sides of the argument because as you said you don't expect him to just come in and be like I'll oh, get rid at the end of the day the, the whole thing of them being friends and whatnot I kind of I get that side of it in that if any of us had a friend in a high profile job and we, is this a hypothetical scenario, but we were a pundit, you wouldn't then be like, oh, Byron's shit, get rid of him. Like, destroy oh, listen, him. Many, you, many you, a question you said, that presenter of the pod, and I'm like, listen, I, you're not going to get me calling for his head here. Yeah, <laughs> he's, my, exactly. he's my friend. Yeah, <laughs> what, I, what I'm trying to say is that if it's someone's livelihood of, as a friend, you're not going to like try and undermine them, are you? I don't but at know. the same it's... time, well, Byron. That's, that's good but... to know, Luke. <laughs> no, I'm going to say, I'm going to ask Alex. If, if Sean's the manager of Spurs, Alex, are you coming on here and backing him? <laughs> Absolutely not. Absolutely <laughs> not. I'm going in. He's not backing him if he's top of the league, I think. <laughs> no, no, but at the, same, at the same time, he's paid to be a pundit, isn't he? He's yeah. paid to... He, he can't just be completely one-sided. And what grinds me, especially about that interview yesterday, is... He was essentially blaming the coaching, but then also saying it's not all his fault. It's like it, yeah. it can't be both. It can't be both. Mm. It's got to be one or the other. Like, come on! And then, and I think that's what Suness and Carragher were were jumping on and laughing at, because it's like you're you're essentially blaming Ollie, but you just won't come out and say he's the problem. I don't that's know. Part... And, uh... Sorry, I was about to say that's part of why I don't blame him quite as hard as people are online, but only in that. I guess at least he's been transparent and saying, look, he's my mate. <laughs> so he's, he's kind of been honest about it. But also has, when he does say things against United, I take that as an indictment on the manager. So in a way, he is criticising him. It's just in a roundabout way. As Goff said, it's a little bit weird when it's put on him point blank. He won't commit to it. But I can still accept that, look, what he's saying is a direct reflection on the manager. So I don't need him to say, give this guy the chop. But it seems know. people online do. They very much yeah. do. I don't know if there's a part of him that's like, look, as soon as he criticises management, he gets the same people that say, well, you failed as a manager yourself. How can you go in and criticise management? And he has been a bit sceptical of doing that. He kind of uh, 
got himself out of one yesterday, didn't he? Where he said, look, I sacked the manager after six games last season and it was the wrong decision. Blah, blah, blah. And I don't know if he's in his head consciously thinking what's going to be said, what's going to be said, but... That's, that's a really damned if you do, damned if you don't, isn't it? Because if he's never managed, then you go, well, you've never managed a club, what do you know? Because he has been and he's failed, yeah. that's why he's a pundit. So it's, well, what's he going to say? Balance, doesn't he he, he criticises United as a whole without saying, Ollie, Ollie, Ollie. <laughs> he says, uh, look, these are the things that Ollie has to sort out if he wants United to get back on the right track. He's not saying Ollie has to go, but he essentially, Paul Ince, Remember it last night. He tweeted saying, "Remember when they all slaughtered me for slaughtering Ollie?" <laughs> there was a there was a very strange. I told you so yesterday from a lot of people where I'm not sure who was disagreeing with them. Uh, I, the most recent one I saw was that awful bird from Chelsea fan TV um, who was going on there saying, "Look, I tried to tell people about Ollie and they wouldn't listen." I saw poets saying, "Look, remember who told you about Ollie?" I don't know who. Was disagreeing. Like, if yeah, you look I, at, I saw someone say, uh, "Look, I told you the only Nigeria experience he's got is Cardiff and Molder." Was that? Was, well, nobody had pointed that out prior, so I'm glad you did. <laughs> <laughs> that hasn't been the stick that's been used to beat him the entire time he's been there, Soon even he's when he's done well. Yesterday, and he wasn't letting anyone cut him off. He said it, and he was like, "No, hang on, Gary." Molder, <laughs> he's going to enjoy this. <laughs> there was a really good article by uh, Carragher in the Guardian I believe it was and he explained a lot of the similar points yesterday but he said he he's done a good job at maintaining the club and that's just about it like uh, the, there's enough people that are happy with him there's enough you're having enough good games which we did <laughs> countless times on here and he compared it to himself alongside Rio Ferdinand and John Terry and he said, I like to think I was a pretty good defender, but there was nothing more I could do. To be better than John that. Terry was John yeah. Terry was bigger than me. Rio Ferdinand was faster than me. There was that wasn't going to change. Yeah. No. Um, and I think that's the thing that's he said. Oli is what he is. <laughs> I think that's essentially it, because there's, there's no arguing that from when he took over the club to, all right, to the beginning of this season, say, there's no arguing that there's not been some sort of improvement. I think we spoke about the last one was on the pod that we have improved season on season since he's been there overall. But this was the season where that couldn't be used as an excuse anymore. It has to go over the edge, didn't it? Yeah, it, it was like, well, he's he's been backed by the board now. He's got the players he wanted. You can only improve so far until you actually win something. And it just seems that this season we've, we've gone the completely opposite way and we're now going backwards. So it's just kind of like, okay, thank you for what you've done. But right now we need someone also to take us to that higher level. And not defending Ollie right now, because I was very much Ollie in up until probably the Leicester game. I, I just had a, like an epiphany, I think, when that <laughs> fourth, when that fourth, no, actually when the third goal went in. And I was just like, you know what, enough's enough now. But he's very unlucky in the fact that he is also up against arguably three of the best managers yeah. in the world. Yeah who are in charge of arguably the three best teams in Europe right now as well. Um, so even before the ball's kicked, you're probably looking at fourth at best. Um, but that doesn't excuse the performances against other teams who aren't those three teams. Like the fact that we've only got one one clean sheet all season, which was against Wolves and 
we were very, very, very lucky to even keep that clean sheet. Yeah. Like it just kind of tells you it's yeah, it's just something's obviously needed to change. We're the first of those three that you've run into and this has happened. Yeah. Is the is the concern. We uh, one of the biggest indictments I can give you is United now level on points with Arsenal. Yeah. Fucking hell, yeah. Six six games ago we were we were in the relegation zone at the bottom of the league. Yeah, um, I saw your tweets. That is, yeah, yeah that, <laughs> that lifted up his spirits. <laughs> well, it's just, well, I mean, the United probably God was on the deck, it. and you shoot him in. But you, you probably could have afforded these results if they weren't all back to back to back, and that's the issue. United have, have had one of the easiest openings to a Premier League season that they could possibly have wished for, and if they'd won those games and then lose to Liverpool like this, probably have a bit more credit in the bank, but. Each one slowly been chipping away at that guard around Ollie. And we said, didn't we, on, on here, I mean, it feels like we've done Ollie out almost every week. Uh, but this is the closest it's been. But we spoke about whether the players would be willing to back him. And I said that other teams, whether I like it or not, with Arteta, they do seem within the club to want him in. And suddenly, you're seeing the, these articles come out today. The players don't believe Oli has the tactical nerves to get them there. The players are confused by his tactics. The players are this and that. And it only takes them to start being questioned and then shift it straight back and say, look, it's not us, it's him. And that's probably what's going to be his undoing. And we're going to hear the same thing, dressing room unrest, and that's always what gets the managers out. Fabrizio has just put another tweet up. To be clear about Antonio Conte, He's never been a fan of joining clubs during the season and it's not his style. The only club right now that could change Antonio's mind is Manchester United. Still no official talks. It depends on the Solskjaer situation as a matter of respect. So we're not going the Spurs route where Jose's turning up to the ground and Poch is still parked. But <laughs> it looks like we might be getting that way. Not a problem for Ollie, to be fair. He never parked in the mud. <laughs> it's fine. He's ready to go. He's, he's getting the bus oh. out. That moment of them putting uh, Fergie on the big screen yesterday. I mean, that doesn't I, help. I know we, we say it, but that really is like fucking Ollie as well. Well, there was Fergie, the Fergie game, being there or, or them showing Yeah, it's, it's tricky, isn't it? Because he's obviously got every right to be there. But just him being shown on the screen, scowling, sort of kind of shaking his head of what's going on here, which, again, he, he he's only really a fan at this stage, so he's got every right to be saying what is going on. But it, it just, you know, I know people have used the analogy before, but if, if the old boss at the place you used to have your job was stood watching you, there'd only be so long before you'd go, can you fuck off? The only, <laughs> the only actual comparison you can make is Wenger at Arsenal because of the length of time they were there. Do you think Emery would have been sacked sooner if Wenger had been so close to the situation? Or at least the pressure would have been there because he's still not been back to a game. Potentially, you are, you are right to say that's the only comparison. The only thing being, it was very much by the time Mbengo comes to the end, everyone had accepted Arsenal. You know, he's done. Yeah, yeah there's been yeah. a steady regression. Whereas Fergie obviously went out on a, on a title, didn't he? So it's when a, Jose was slightly there, different. One. Fergie was still riding the team bus to games on a. Case. I mean, that's an odd, <laughs> set, isn't it? But yeah, that that was just one for everyone. I think the the director knew what he was doing there. But it's interesting what you say with him just being a fan, but there was a clip after United drew with Everton, which isn't a great look when you see what Watford just done to them. Um, but he was speaking with Khabib, and obviously yes, he I've, doesn't know I this is being this as well. Not great. But 
Fergie was talking about, look, he shouldn't have benched Ronaldo. And it's like, that's not helping. Uh, Ollie bites at every punditry uh, little quotable that gets brought to him. He had Carragher's brought to him in the week and, he, and he's reading it and reacting to it. He must feel like everyone's out to get him. And to be honest, I think they probably are. Yeah, I mean, if I wasn't reveling in it so much, I would have felt sorry for him yesterday because it's quite a sad scene. But as it was, it, it is it was all forgotten a, in, in all phenomenal. this. That he is all forgotten. He is, he is a United fan as well. It's similar to, I mm. feel quite bad for, like, take away me being a United fan. I feel quite bad for, for Steve Bruce at Newcastle with the whole thing because he's been a Newcastle fan. Don't say that online, Goff. Whatever you do, you'll get mad. I, 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 Apparently, yeah. Newcastle fans don't allow that. <laughs> no. If, if you find me, if you find me disappearing in Saudi Arabia, then. <laughs> but, um, but no, I, I do feel bad with how how certain managers are hounded out. It, it's it's clear they're not good enough for the job or good enough for what the fans want. But there's a way it can be dealt with. And the thing with Oli is, is as you've touched on, he has done a good job. He's just not done a great job. Yeah. And at this stage, I think these last few games is when you can really, as the media start turning scrutiny on him. I think the difference with like the way Ollie's been treated and the way Bruce was treated is even you just listen to the tone in which journalists at put questions to him and stuff. I think there's almost a disrespectful tone to it in terms of they ask about their job status, but it's, it's just the way it's done. I can't really describe where I think certain managers would never get that, and they do. It's and and look, maybe. Maybe you'd say they should do a better job, but that's they're trying. It's not like they want to be shit. <laughs> well, there's never a way you can answer that. Like, do you still? Yeah, I, I mean, I hate the question anyway. It's annoying, isn't it? I tweeted yesterday saying, "Say the wheels will have a new driver behind it," and one of the few Newcastle fans that follows me replied to him, "Steve Bruce, surely the media and pundits constantly shoved it down our throats about how amazing he is." Literally, every, every, <laughs> it's been painful. Every Oli post I've seen Newcastle fans on there doing like some sort of sarcastic, uh, oh, he's a lovely guy, one of the most important matches of 100 years or something. It's like, lads, just relax a little bit. <laughs> I mean, you can say Steve Bruce isn't a very good manager, nice enough bloke, maybe we went a bit far, but there's none of that. It's no, no, he's, he's a prick. And if you think otherwise, you are as well. Oh, see, we had, um, funeral last week bleak tone I know obviously no smiles that day I, I told my uncle who's a Newcastle fan after that uh, in Steve Bruce's uh, closing statement he'd said that he was fed up for being called a tactically inept cabbage head one of the few smiles of the day <laughs> no, I don't think Newcastle fans are particularly sad to see him go and uh, I don't think United fans would be too sad for Ollie. it's easy to say now it's essentially just covering your bases aren't you Goffer when you say, look, I want him out, but uh, he's always he's a club legend and this and that. I think I think we you had, can. I we think had you Jack can want it with Lampard's, and a week later, when uh, <laughs> they they started winning games again, it was oh, he's the best manager in the world. Tommy <laughs> 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 no, with, with Ollie, I think I think so you can want him out. You can want him out, but still respect what he's done. Like that, you don't have yeah. to yeah. to turn the screw and be be ridiculous about it. Do. You, from what we started to see, usually when you see the articles about the new replacements, uh, certain things about the players being unhappy. Uh, I mean, the way things are now, we're being told about the times of meetings that are taking place with directors and things. Do you, do you think he's in charge at Spurs? I actually personally think probably yes. Only on the fact that unless they've somehow agreed of some something with someone this quickly what would be the point of getting rid of him now? You're going to have some sort of caretaker who's going to be who. 
Carrick, like well, for the Spurs and the and the Atalanta game, you may as well, you may as well, if you're going to get rid of him, do what you need to do behind the scenes, let him take charge of what the next two or three games of this run, which was always going to be dangerous for him anyway, and then announce. You've probably got you've probably got an excuse after we get smashed by City to then be like, yeah, here, here's our new manager. But under pressure, Oli is dangerous, and so you risk winning a game, and then it's even harder to sack him. Yeah. I feel like he's sacked already. I feel like we're, we're over 24 hours after the Liverpool game. If you were going to sack him in relation to that, I think you'd probably do already. Well, the United put in that post up saying, Ollie's setting his sights on United's next three games in a bid to fight back. The next post from United was... That's a pretty crazy of, post. Yeah, an open and honest assessment from Luke Shaw. Um, Just what you need. Then you had uh, club legend Wes Brown says the response to Sunday is vital. <laughs> Like, West Brown, club legend yeah, West Brown. Brown. <laughs> they, they, they put an email out, right, lads? Which one of you wants to front up for this? No one else has responded. Wes has gone. All right, I'll, uh, I'll do it. My favourite one was at, at work. The radio was on. It was uh, it, I think it was on Absolute Radio or something. And it was like, oh, up next, Mark Bosnich speaks about. Uh, <laughs> He's been on Sky Sports today. <laughs> oh god we said this last week though didn't we TK that usually when you see those articles where um, United are coming out and saying that he's got our support that's usually one of the worst things that you can have because yeah, it shows they're talking signs. about it terrible signs all the articles all the today say um, when approached uh, United refused comments when uh, questioned <laughs> about the future of their manager yeah, that's that's not great. Uh, we we spoke about when you weeks ago, didn't we? That if it does turn, you would back these players to help you out as the manager. That they'll look after themselves, and yeah. uh, and that's been shown already. They're kind of putting the feelers out with with what they're going to do with this. But well, I think what we saw yesterday, um, and I think you see something different at. Arsenal and even Spurs at the moment is um, there's players there that can't afford to drop their form because they're going to be out of the team. At United, the level of some of these players, like Bruno doesn't really need to perform to be in the team each week. Um, Harry Maguire, Luke Shaw, David De Gea in recent times. The majority of these players that started yesterday can have an absolute stinker on the pitch and it's not affecting whether they start week in, week out or not. At Arsenal and Spurs, where the managers have been under pressure, the players can't afford to drop their level much more than what they have been doing because they aren't that good in the first place that nobody can take over from them. I mean, we've seen that the Spurs midfield, uh, that's being shifted around from game in, game out, and the pressure's going on them. With United, it's a lot easier to pin in at Oli than it is at the feet of Bruno Fernandes. So, I'd love to know what Don is doing man. on the training ground. He must be horrible if he can't well, get a runner. There was a point of realisation, wasn't there, from Neville in the game yesterday. He's like, you've got Donny there. I, mean, <laughs> I forgot about him. I, I, I would love Ollie to still be in the job when it comes to Spurs, just for the complete and utter carnage that game could be. Um, I think we all want that, don't we? <laughs> just to see what so, that game looked like. It would be so united to lose it and it would also be so spursy to lose it so. I think I'd pick United to win that honestly as you said I mean I was about to say 
under pressure only is dangerous. He was under pressure in our game and yeah. he wasn't that dangerous there. I like the idea he just, we say we don't know what they were looking to do. I like the idea he just walked into the dressing room again, lads, it's under pressure only. Yeah. You just go out and, you go out and do what we do. Well, it came back in 4 0 down. Like, that's not what I meant. That's not what I was after. Neville seemed to suggest that it's the players who don't want to play counter attacking football and maybe Ollie doesn't have the personality to be able to stand up to that. They've done it obviously every other time against Liverpool. So I don't know what there seemed to be this odd sort of thing with United that they were sort of like, well, look, we're Man United, we're going to have to play on the front foot. Well, you didn't have this level of pride previously playing with us, so don't get it now. It can't be Ronaldo either because the counter attacking football completely suits his game. There was that goal in the Euros, wasn't there? Was it against Spain where they got it from the corner and he tapped in at the other end That's within about 17 sprint. seconds? Like, this is what, it's this in is what his confused. game to do that. This confuses me about all the punditry about Ronaldo at the moment and the, and the way he plays because they're all making out as if he is literally a statue now that he's 36, but he's not at all. Like, he's he counter-attacking, counter-attacking does him. suit him. Yeah, he knows, he, yeah, he knows when he's to run. Yeah, he's He's not making unnecessary runs. That's the thing. But the way... If you're going to be a pressing team, he's not going to work, is it? Yes. Ultimately. Or or if you is, everybody else is going to be on it. It's going to be 10 of you, 9 of you. Keepers probably not going to be doing that much pressing. Um, Doing the... uh, the, Kane's do that, are they? Well, increasingly less so. He used to. He's he's doing it increasingly less. That's running through tar. That's the other conundrum United have got that I think to play how they want to play, but also actually maybe just the most effective way. I actually think Cavani up front is the, the best option. But obviously by doing that, you're going to have to shift even Ronaldo out wide, which you don't really want to do, or drop him, which apparently is a sin. So yeah, I think Cavani is the best option for them. I think he showed the best willing, the best uh, he can press, but also he's got the right movement, he knows where to be. Um, but they, they can't do it. They can't do it. That's the problem they've got. If you're not playing counter-attacking football, then Ronaldo is, is useless as a centre-forward because he can't hold the ball up. So you need the ball to stick if you're playing one up front, and it's not happening. And United... He has scored the goals that issue, makes people think he has to, though, wouldn't it? Is, is the other problem, which... Part of their issue um, now with the squad they have is not every member of that squad's like Donny, who... Um, this isn't an indictment on him, I don't think he's a massive personality that Ollie has to worry about thinking about keeping him on the bench. I think he probably he's taking it as he wants to. He's probably sulking. He's probably putting his head down and venting when he gets home. I don't think Cavani's that guy. I think Cavani is going to make it known to you in training. I think he's going to make it known to you on the bench. Why am I not playing? Look at this garbage you've got out on the pitch. Why am I not out there? I'm not sure Sancho's that guy, but you're damn sure if Ronaldo's on the bench, he's going to be kicking up a fuss. So well, he literally these... did, didn't he? So you, you've yeah. got him, Cavani, Ronaldo, and Pogba essentially, <clears throat> where you can't play all of them, and at least one of them is going to be kicking up a stink. Ronaldo Maybe two the other week, saying, "Look," and he was pointing the finger at the other players and their mentality, and he was saying, "For me, a draw to Everton at home is a loss," and he said, "A draw to a team like Everton is a loss." That's not helping anyone, though, because he's effectively saying he's not culpable. <laughs> he's saying, he's saying, look, maybe not everyone feels the same way I do. So. Yeah, there's, there's, it's about, I guess, knowing your teammates, though, isn't it? Because on the one hand, that could be a good call to arms, say, well, look, I've won everything. This is the mentality you need, and everyone will come with you. Or it's, well, look, I'm doing my job. 
and then you're pointing fingers. It's, it's which way you look at it. Um, and having an under pressure manager, it's not going to look good. Thinking, I agree with you, but I can't get on the pitch to do it. Yeah. There was a fan yeah. yesterday, I don't know if you've seen the video of it, who was abusing Lingard on the sidelines. Yeah. And Lingard's been getting some flack because he said, I'm not on the pitch. What do you want me to do about it? <laughs> yeah, it seemed a fairly obvious observation, Matt. That seemed, I don't know why that's like, controversial. Lingard bites back at United fans during a humiliating loss to Liverpool. And Lingard's not saying there, look, we'd be 5 0 up if I was playing. He's saying, I don't know what you want me to do about this. <laughs> yeah, I'm stretching. What do you want me to do? Stretch a bit harder. If you're going down the pressing route, Lingard probably makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I I actually think because you said about um, you contrasted the Atlantic. One of the odd, the more odd things about it was that he said, "Oh, he said there's going to be some changes," and then names the exact same starting eleven. I think it sends out a bad message anyway. But I think bringing in people like Lingard is the better option now. He at this stage, only I mean, really is going to have to go out swinging. You're going to have to change it up a bit. Like, like he said, someone like him is probably a better fit, even if he's not got the same amount of quality as some of these players. Well, you know he'll try for you, don't you? You know he'll yeah. give it his everything. That should take us on quite nicely, um, Alex, because uh, the importance of changing up your team was shown, in fact, that uh, Spurs changed 11 players in the week to uh, lose on Thursday night and then lose on Sunday as well. So uh, squad rotation <laughs> in full effect. Um, <laughs> Nuno... We did a question on the week after deadline day, I believe. And before I we touch posed, on them, Luke, yeah, only this quickly. If if God, if you think you know ultimately it is time for Oli to go, what do you do? What is United's you know, next step? Because everyone just says sack him, but no one actually seems to produce an actual answer as I, to that, what I the alternative is. Yeah, and I think that's half the problem. I don't think so it's probably really, kept him the job, wasn't it? <laughs> really, no. Yeah. yeah. Obviously, every obviously Conte's been been linked to it. Everyone, the general gist I've got is that people are against Conte. I don't personally have a problem with him. There was like a whole thing of he he plays defensively. By the end of the day, he wins trophies. Um, someone like Zidane or something, I think you're going to have to persuade to come to United. Zidane's already distanced himself from it today. Exactly. So, um, He's enjoying time with no work, which is um, a lovely sentiment, I'm sure. I think uh, the Ajax manager would be would be nice, but again, yeah, you have yeah. to persuade him. He could bring Van der Sar with him as well. I think um, you could twist his arm, couldn't you? And, and, and I did. I did. He's uh, off to Newcastle, some rumoured with uh, Overmars. Well, as I showed you, uh, Byron, before the pod, sixth favourite at the moment is uh, Cristiano Ronaldo, <laughs> 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 player manager. Conte worked with uh, Pugba in his prime at Juve. Yeah, very true. The the issue that Neville was saying with um, Conte, and I was only saying this because I imagine we'll be doing this next week when they pick a new manager or have one, um, is supposedly blowing up a project is uh, supposedly the concern at United. United don't have a project level squad. That's, I keep relaying it to Arsenal, but obviously it's closest to me. And in terms of a project, Arsenal now have the youngest squad in the Premier League. When Arsenal lose games, that's the easiest thing that they can point to and say, look, it's a project. We're going to win these games, we're going to lose these games. When you have Ronaldo up top, second place in most people's goat lists, when you've got one of the most 
the second most productive player in the league last season behind Mo Salah and Bruno Fernandes. When you've got a multiple-time Champions League winner at centre-back alongside an 80, 80 million pound centre-back there. One of the best uh, goalkeepers in the world. Inverted commas, the best defensive right-back in the league. <laughs> One of the best central midfielders in the world in Paul Pogba. That's not a project-level squad. If United dipped all these in, they hadn't signed Sancho and they put Chong in there and they brought Hannibal in and they had that uh, short tyre, I'm sure I've pronounced wrong. Um, if you had all these players in there, then you can get away with calling it a project. Van Hal was dishing out debuts like they were going out of fashion. <laughs> this squad, you, you can't do that. And so it's all well and good Neville saying that United want something long term from now. This isn't the squad for that. So I don't know really what he wants other than defending Oli, I guess. I think they're in a rock and a hard place, aren't they? Though, in terms of, they, they, you know, Goss just talked about how they have been building under Oli, as if this is the culmination of that building. And I, we've said, haven't we, that this is win now territory United win by signing Ronaldo or whatever. They put all the chips in the table and that's probably what will then do Oli. And sure enough, that's what's worked out. But I guess the feeling is if you do bring Conte in, that is now shit or bust, isn't it? This building now things though, is so strange because yes, they have been getting better and better but the way this squad is is like you should be winning now it's like you've got a house there and you, you're telling everyone to move in and the people in the house are going but there's no roof and they're saying but we're building we're building gradually every season and you're expecting things to just kick on and be ready now you can't go through having this striker this midfield as I've just said and expect it to be a project still so I don't think it's a tricky situation for a manager I think if you're the board you've got you- to tell them you, you would back Conte to do something with this squad, wouldn't you, as well? You would, he, you'd think he's... This United squad, better than that Chelsea squad. Uh, the one that he won with? Yeah, on paper yeah. at least. Mm. Yeah, he's, he's... And his falling out with previous balls has been that he tend, hasn't tended to spend money, whereas you would think he will have at least something to spend. They've, they've not been shy of spending money, so he'll probably get money spent on Declan Rice or something that's... So he complained, didn't he, that um, he was told that they had money to spend, and then they gave him Danny Drinkwater <laughs> and um, yeah. Ross Barkley, and he yeah, said, I mean, "Look at look at the way everyone else is improving." You can understand his complaints in that case, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Fair. Yeah, I guess the, the I always thought Neville's assertion of this that they've tried two world class managers before in Van Halen, Mourinho. So don't try another one. It's always a bit backward. But kind of you wouldn't sign if a world class striker fails. You don't go well. Once touch one of them again, I'll go for an average one. Thanks. You, you would you would try it, wouldn't you? So I always thought I was a bit backward. But I kind of understood. I don't think he articulated particularly the kind of appointment. I guess it's kind of like when Spurs been Poch. Whether you think that was the right timing or not, they've been building and building with Poch towards this thing. And you thought, is he going to be the guy to get them the trophy? They obviously decided not. And I guess it's similar with Oli. I, yeah, and I guess it's similar to Oli that they've been building and building towards this thing. But as been shown with Jose, what they basically are built towards, he said, fuck this, it's not working. And now they're having to rebuild again. And I guess in this sort of dystopian view of what could happen with United, they're going to say, would Conte leave you end up having to build again? But they're in a position where you've probably got to win with this squad. So maybe he's the problem advice they need. If you're United, show you're a big club then. Go and get Brendan Rodgers. Go and get someone like that. Go and get Ten Hag or whoever it is that you want to be who's that kind of in-between. Um, mm. Don't go for Conte. 
it's no one saying Conte is the only option there. And then are they going to say that you know the, the other guy isn't a, a big enough name? I agree. I think that makes probably more sensible choice. But is Conte the only one who's sort of blockbuster enough? To... I don't know. I think by next week we'll we'll know more about the fact that there will either be a new manager there, um, or it'll be or they'll have just lost Spurs. staying on. Yeah. So uh, we'll see when we get there. But if if we go on to Spurs, sorry, I ruined your Spurs intro there. That's all right. Um, I'm sure Alex appreciated it. Mate, you just do you, mate. You just you do. <laughs> you do you. Fruit of a lifeline. So, um, Tottenham played their third London derby of the week of the season. The this week, week um, they they lost their third one of the season. Um, didn't concede three this time, though, so things are improving. Um, what I was about to say was, when we went back after deadline day, I said, if you had to put your bank balance now on who would be in the job longer, Nuno or Arteta. And you quite confidently said, Nuno, I'm interested if you still feel that's the case. Yeah, I still feel that's the case. Not because I'm confident in Nuno. Not because I'm confident in Nuno. It's more of, I don't know who you're replacing with. Like, Go back to to Fonseca. uh, (laughs) (laughs) Newcastle are going to get... Two attacking for Spurs. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I'm not too so in. Like I said, like we said previously, without like repeating what we've already said on the previous episodes, I I think we we've got ourselves in a sticky situation now. Uh, I think we've got to see it through for at least a season with him. Um, it's uh, unless it goes bad. Like I don't know what our options are if we get rid, and I I just. I don't know what they had to do to get him in, in the first place. I mean, where do you go from Nuno after sacking Nuno? Um, the situation with Kane is a tricky one to manage when you're getting rid of managers left, right and centre. I just, the value of Kane, I think the value of Kane and how much you can sell him for drops every time you sort of, if you drop, like get rid of Nuno because it just gives him more chips to sort of bargain with. I, yeah, I just... I'm I still not sure think Michael Dawson and Ledley King do worse than this. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> do you not think like that? You're not even excited. Like you struggled past Newcastle. That's about as damning an indictment as I can give you. The most boring team in the league, and you made them look entertaining. Yeah, it's not great. When not you great. prepared to face West Ham, and I said like you're in the dugout. What what result would you have been happy with? If I if I'd offered you one all before the game, would you have taken it? Uh, no, I wouldn't have. No, I would have wanted a victory. That's even more damning then, because you didn't really look close bar one Kane header. Yeah, I know. Not great. The uh, that was one of the things I thought is that I didn't even see this as an upset. I don't know about you. I can't. I no. regard West Ham as a better team than Spurs at the minute. But like we when we've spoken with Goff before, I think some of the reason Ollie got by is. At least the football, like you were getting some blockbuster football on the pitch, whether whether it was winning or losing. United were playing attacking football, they were playing fun football, and in some cases it was a score one more than you, which wasn't always the best way. Spurs being on TV, aside from the emotional impact for me of hoping they lose, are about as dull as it gets. Like they're they're one bar up with being Watford, Norwich. They're just above that camp. They're more entertaining. At least they're going to throw a couple in their own net. Yeah, it's... I don't know. I can't imagine... 
I feel like it's a lot with Arsenal, feel excited to sit down and watch a game. When when you have Son, when you have Kane, you shouldn't ever really be bored watching that football. No, you you are right. And you add losses I mean, on top of that. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I, you are right. It's not, it's when we've come off the back of a season where we have Mourinho and there was like some winning, um, but the football wasn't entertaining. It's not a great trade at the moment with what we're looking at. I mean, I I still think that he needs to go to a back five just to try and give more width than the squad try in the on the field just to try and stretch teams back lines, utilize the wing backs more to just bring Sun into the fold because Kane's not doing it for us with the way he's playing at the moment. I'm glad that he's dropped Deli Ali. That's progress in terms of the starting lineup, but it's difficult to see where we go from here now. Do you think your collection of centre-backs or your collection of central midfielders is better? Because at the moment, obviously, he's gone for pack in the midfield rather than the extra defender. Um, That's like, would you rather... That's like one of those would you rather questions. Well, this is... You'd imagine for him, when he's determining whether you play three midfielders or three centre-backs... That's probably his biggest question. Because the big thing with the three at the back, and you look at Chelsea, is you, you build from the back. Is Do you think you're more likely to build a sustained attack from a base of, who would it be, Romero, Rosan and Eric Dyer, Or are you more likely to build it with Ndombele, Skip, Deli Alli? Ah, uh, well... I definitely would be playing Deli Ali, so easy choice there. If you if I mean, you said it's Deli Ali, coming out in the week, going on Talksport, which is always rash when a player kind of comes out and criticizes whether he's in the team or not, especially when it's Harry Winks. Yeah, like he's in this a day. He did this a day after losing to Vitesse. It was Vitesse, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he did this a day after losing to Vitesse, and he did the same there. No, I mean I know we lost last night, but then he said. The fact that we aren't getting enough minutes means that when we do play, oh, that would chestnut. Then that's why we can be able to perform. So he said that you've got to be playing. He said he thinks he's done enough to deserve to play more often. He effectively said he doesn't think the other midfielders have done enough to be in there ahead of him. That's some level front. That's some level front. That is from the outside. That's about the only thing. It isn't attaining by the minute. No, okay. <laughs> the uh, the the other thing with the well, <laughs> that's more true can out. Yeah, I, was, I thought Alex was going to come in while I was. Uh, the other thing I thought with the you said about the midfield, I think he's so shook. By Hello, it. can you? Sorry, can you hear me? Yeah, we got you. Uh, yeah, you weren't there when I needed you. This is quite yeah. Titanic. You didn't clear out on the on the little space on the raft for me. Uh sorry, mate. Sorry, mate. You need a healthy space on the raft, wouldn't you? To be fair. I'm not showing up. I'm not showing up like. I'm not showing up like Spurs. I think he's so terrified of that performance against Arsenal that he has to cut the midfield. Now, I think. Um, I don't think you're ever going to see him go with someone outside Hoybier plus Skip or something like that, which isn't exactly the most adventurous or exciting, but it needs to be done because otherwise they're going to get played for it. If I ask you, TK. Um, who you would pay more money for and I don't mean this in a Liverpool perspective I just mean in, in terms of how you would value the midfielders who would you put a higher value on Skip or McTominay oh that is tricky I'm just going to quickly look at how old is on Skip 
I think he's 23. He's 21. Okay. So, at least there's that. Um, I probably haven't seen enough of him. I think he looks solid if unspectacular, which you could probably say about McTominay as well. Uh, I think McTominay has shown me he at least flashes that in a different team he might be able to offer something. I think both are limited. Um, I'd, he, I'd probably give him slightly higher value, but there's look, there's not a lot in that. I'd rather McTominay. I think I think I would. I think the skip is a I think is a necessary even for Spurs at the minute in terms of yeah. I don't think there's anyone else who can sit in there. You're not going to trust uh, Alior and, and Dombley in a deeper role, um, and the other one is Harry Stinks. So I was precious few options back for um, McTominay over Rice at times last season. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> it hasn't aged well for me. Uh, what was the other one I had the other day that I had to look back on? Oh. Um, Matty Cash over um, yes, Reece James. James. <laughs> I, still think, I still think there's some life in that. Matty um, Cash is your boy. Yeah. Um, that, that's all I was saying because we're saying about um, McTominay not being good enough for United and yet we're saying McTominay should be starting for Spurs and I don't know if if it's Nuno doesn't have the players he wants it. It's always an easy one to, to blame or if it's just I don't know, maybe he just had the the perfect concoction at Wolves in terms of expectations and the squad that he was equipped with. I can't really ask now what Alex was expecting before the season, but I have to imagine it was more than this. Um, yeah, it was a bit more than this, to be honest. A bit more. I I, I thought I thought. <laughs> well, the thing is, the the thing is. Um, before the, going into this weekend, we were in fifth spot and not like you know, not a million miles away from being top four. Well, we weren't, we weren't miles away from being to, yeah. Um, but so it's 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 still <laughs> gonna give that old cliche, it's a season of two halves. I mean, I haven't, I, seen, I, I haven't seen, I haven't seen, I haven't seen, I know, yeah, but. It's, I haven't seen enough. I haven't seen, I, I, we'll, we'll have to turn it around in a second. That's, that's, the Norwich lads are just going, hey, look, the first half, I think, or two game. You wait till the second half. In terms of, um, in terms of uh, playing the uh, playing the London derby teams, we've got we've got another game against them. Um, but I haven't seen I haven't seen enough that there's something like a plan there in the squad with where the direction he wants to take it. Um, like Luke said, I, he knew the stable of players that he was getting going into this, and it wasn't a bad stable of players. Um, I'm just not seeing anything in the way of a successful system at the moment that's working on a consistent basis. It just looks like survival rather than progression in any format. Uh, there's nothing new in every game that's played at the moment. There's nothing consistent or new in the way like credit credit to credit to like Arteta even at his worst like Luke's pointed out some improvements to the system uh some sort of my of identity some sort of direction that he wants to play in hey, we went uh, four four fucking two on uh, Friday night. <laughs> yeah it's not I just yeah I just I just don't really know what's going on and where where we're going at the moment before I ask you this next question I've just seen that clip of um where they had Fergie and then they showed Doug Leash back to back in uh, yesterday's game with Fergie shaking his head and Doug Leash <laughs> cracking up. 
and the, it's been captured with um, the two dads when someone makes a sex joke in a best man speech. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Fergie puffing his cheeks, <laughs> shaking his head, and dad <laughs> nodding his head and cracking up. Uh. <laughs> I also mean to quote this um, McTominay ahead of um, yesterday's game said. Uh, People will learn to stop underestimating us soon. So, uh, oh god, nice one, Scott. Probably best just not to speak in that instance. <laughs> Alex, um, when you look at the sack race on paper, Nuno's in some unfortunate company, um, and we're talking like Ranieri's never far away just because of the club he's at. Ollie's obviously right at the bottom. Steve Bruce was in and amongst that mix, and Nuno's just floating, just floating above. Uh, that type of manager. How bad do you think it would have to get for the trigger to be pulled? Uh, bottom half of the table. You're, you're not there now? Yeah, bottom half of the table. Uh, bottom half of the table in the... How the uh, hell are you sick? Final third of the league. Well, I was about no, to say, as, no. as much as they're not doing great, they're not doing as bad as you're suggesting. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like yeah. you have got to face Newcastle. No, the, 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 the point is that they are a hideous watch, and the games they have yeah. won have not been convincing. No, um, which outside of a couple of games, I'd say about Arsenal as well, but that's a separate. Yeah, I think we we've seen that. What United has said about Oli and that they're really ride or die with him. I think they really are like that with Arteta. So my energy's kind of <laughs> wasted a bit there in terms of uh, wanting him out. I mean, even in comparison, the Brentford loss for us doesn't look as bad now when you look at the absences we had and then the way they played against uh, Liverpool and mm. uh, Chelsea. Um, and then losing to Chelsea and City's losing to Chelsea and City. Some of these Spurs L's, I mean, losing to us is never a good look. Their, um, their position is a little bit like United's, isn't it? Where on paper you say, well, it isn't that bad. They're only a couple of points off top four. But then when you look at some of the places where they drop points, I think you'd be a, a little bit more concerned. Uh, and while all the, when they have had a win, like I said, not that convincing against Newcastle, a couple of one nils early in the season, which weren't, which were okay. I mean, obviously the City one's fine, but yeah, a couple of ones in there. And then if you walk for one nil, was it? You're, you're not convincing hugely by doing it and if the MO for bringing in a new manager after Mourinho was we want to play better football we want to go back to that first place football Levy said. you've and essentially go got to play in the Tottenham way you've got kind of you know um, I don't know like a decaffeinated version of Jose Mourinho haven't you now decaffeinated decaffeinated it's just it's we actually um, had some... Jose, without, without the off-the-pitch drama, which is pretty much the only thing Jose's bringing now. We had someone in the college a few months back um, ask what a decaffeinated coffee was, and I'm talking a member of staff, not a student. Um, so that's a scary thought for you. It's pissing a cup. Yeah, Watford 1-0, uh, 3-0 lost to Palace, 2-2 against Wren, 3-0 lost to Chelsea. Beat Wolves on pens in the EFL Cup. Lost to Arsenal. Beat Murrah. Beat Villa. Nice win. Um, not quite as convinced as we beat them. Uh, 3-2 against Newcastle. Lost to Vitesse. Lost to West Ham. 
I, I want that Premier League table investigated because I don't know where those points <laughs> have come from. <laughs> I was thinking as you were saying, I was thinking, are they doing like a lot worse than I thought? <laughs> I know it's not great, but. Well, I look at some of the teams who I thought were doing well. I mean, like Brentford in 12th. Like, I look at them and I feel like they're in the top half. Everton in 8th. United in 7th. So, <laughs> big clash. Spurs United, uh, battle of the Europa places. So, you, you, you think he'll last the season then, Alex? Yeah, I think he will, unfortunately. I think we're starting to see signs from Kane now that he's back at it. I mean, even just the yeah, chances agreed. he's making, the way he's getting on the end of them is just... Sometimes your luck's not quite there in terms of finishing it. And I think His movement's sometimes... looking sharper again. At least well, there's that. What we've seen, and I don't mean to relay this to Arsenal again, but I know we're in very similar situations, is every miss that we tend to have feels bigger because of the lack of chances created. Mm. And I think that's the same with Spurs at the moment. In Every miss does feel huge just because... You don't know when the next one's going to come. Spurs <laughs> Two had, games time. Spurs had 65% of the ball yesterday and they got four shots on target. Yeah. I think Nuno is probably lucky that the likes of Oli are in such a bad way. And I think he just needs to do some investigating himself. These, these conference league games should be a help in, even if it's not the same uh, set of players. You can at least try out different ideas. If Alex thinks maybe you should go to three at the back, maybe that should be a time to try it out with three at the back. Maybe you play the players for 45 minutes. I mean, it's not unheard of that players can play two games in a week. Um, whether you try it at a midweek and you see how it goes, and then you can bring it in at the weekend. I don't know. He has more opportunities than most in this situation to be able to find something to click. So you would think that what he does, he at least has the attacking talent to do so. I don't think he, he's not he hasn't got anything to lose either by giving it a go because no, no. he's not getting gate it's not get, it's not a great reception at the moment um, and it's not like nobody's going to accuse him of oh why didn't he try that what sorry why on earth did you try that when you've got a brilliant system already I just you know if anything when he was playing five at the back at Wolves people might look at that and go okay like. That's I can see where he's going with this now. I can see that that worked there. Nobody's going to criticise him. I just I just don't understand why he's not trying to adapt in any way or try anything. I just I just don't know what's going on with him. I think something. Uh, oh, just gone. No, um, I think we wondered before the season what Spurs fans' reactions to the Conference League would be, and whether it would be something where if you lost a game there, there was going to be uproar. If it was going to be kind of indifference. And I think the home games, when no matter who you've got there, there's a certain level of pressure to, to be beating these teams. These away trips, I don't think too many Spurs fans, at least from what I see on my timeline, are too upset when you're losing these games. I think it's more of a sarcastic, look how shit we are. <laughs> uh, we should be beating <laughs> these teams and rather than a banging the table saying, this isn't good enough. So there's certainly an opportunity there to be testing out some things. Um, yeah, especially obviously I'd, not being judged there. Yeah, I feel like geez, the, the sort of the fans aren't on his back yet, and I don't think Levy is going to want to sack another manager and, and pay him either um, at the minute. So well, he's, he has he, the payoff minimum, isn't it? So he does have time to sort of work things out. It's not you know it's not a crisis time. But this does this would feel like the time we should. I mean, I always felt at Wolves that 
he instinctively wanted to go five at the back when he changed it to four at Wolves. I always felt like it's a matter of time before he ends up going back to it, and he did at times. So I, I am a little surprised he hasn't tried that at Spurs. My conspiracy theory there would be that one of the kind of parameters to him taking a job was that he promised to play attacking football. Um, and I don't. He's gone back that, on that one then. Well, I don't know if in a discussion that he's had with with Levy is to what they deem five at the back to be. And we've heard it a lot in the last couple of seasons that five at the back can be an attacking formation with the right yeah. personnel, like how Chelsea Agreed. do it. I don't know if that's something that's been said between them that Levy doesn't feel the fans are willing to pay their money to come and see five at the back football. Because there really is no other reason. Because it's not like things are going along nicely. If that has happened, that's a huge problem. Yeah, even if it's kind of a unwritten thing and Nuno doesn't feel that he can play that way because of this. But we spoke when the details of his contract came out and how Levy was being praised and saying this is a win for him and negotiating factor again. It also could make Nuno more conservative if there is this break after one season where they can cut him without a payoff. Maybe he feels he just has to do enough rather than maybe if he had a more secure future, maybe if it was the other way around, he may be more prepared to try something different that may click and work rather than settling for just getting by. Because there's enough teams in the league at the moment that you can say, and I was half joking with the Spurs, and I didn't realise they were that hard to be honest with you. There's enough teams who you can see, like Leicester, I think we're going to see them pick up form and they're going to go up in the table. United are going to sack Ollie at some point and they're going to be shifting up in the table. Everton are a bit hit and miss, but you wouldn't say they're too far away from Spurs at the moment. Dare I say Arsenal, if they carry on doing what they've done the last couple of games. Wolves seem to have found a bit of form. Brentford and Villa, Villa in particular, certainly have the players to be doing better than they are. That sixth can very slowly drop to seventh and seventh to eighth and so on. So it may be time to find something that you think works or at least take a chance until it gets to the pressure point where he feels, well, I've got to do it now and maybe you don't have the same level of flexibility. Yeah, so it's just a point you say about whether he feels able to. He's definitely, you feel like at Wolves, you'd feel he has the power and influence to do that. You wonder if he, not over, maybe overwhelmed at Spurs, I don't know, but certainly whether he feels he can't wield that sort of power, I do wonder. You get that feeling. That first season at Wolves in the Premier was the Messiah, wasn't it? Like the football he was playing. Yeah. And then it, they obviously felt they could do a bit better. We yet to see that. And he obviously thought he could do a bit better. Maybe uh, in a in a few weeks we'll do one on uh, whether Wolves are better without Nuno or Nuno is better without Wolves. Mm. Unless anyone has anything else to uh, add, then uh, I think we can call it a day and uh, we'll be back next week. But these two out their misery. <laughs> yeah. So thank you again for listening to another edition of the Spitballing Pod. We'll be back with Movie Madness on Friday. Tune in then. Goodbye.